Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. It's Friday, August 5th. I'm Peggy Lowe filling in for Nomeen Ujiadine. Coming up, A Kansas City comic company is making space for black and brown characters in manga. I wanted to create a world uh, in this medium that I loved that actually represented me and this large subsection of black people that also love anime. And before coming to Kansas City, NFL coach Dick Vermeil had stepped away from coaching twice. But Chiefs executives made a convincing pitch for one last chapter in his coaching career. I told them not to come when they came, and I'm sure glad they did. We take a look back at Vermeil's lasting connections to Kansas City as he gets set to join the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But first, some headlines. Lamont McIntyre, who spent 23 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit, has now been compensated by the unified government of Wyandotte County and Kansas City, Kansas. KCUR's Dan Margulies reports. In June, the unified government agreed to settle a civil rights lawsuit filed by McIntyre and his mother for $12.5 million. Now lawyers for the McIntyres have confirmed that the money has been paid. As part of the settlement, the unified government is issuing bonds to fund the payout. Lamont McIntyre was 17 years old when he was wrongly convicted of a 1994 double murder. He was exonerated and released in 2017. Missouri educators say low pay is driving teachers out of the profession. KCUR's Jody Fortino has more on the state commission studying teacher recruitment and retention. Missouri's Blue Ribbon Commission held a hearing Wednesday for teachers to share their thoughts on the field's high turnover. It follows a statewide survey of teachers begun on Monday. Kathy Steinhoff from Columbia retired this year after teaching for more than three decades. She said raising pay is critical, but schools need more funding. Housing, improved benefits, child care, paid time off, professional learning sabbaticals, student loan forgiveness, paying student teachers. These ideas all have promise but each one requires more funding. The commission will present its recommendations to the State Board of Education in October. And Kansas City has a brand new professional sports team. The Kansas City Outlaws is the newest franchise in the Professional Bull Riders, or PBR. It begins a 10-game regular season at the T-Mobile Center today. Former Kansas City Chiefs coach Dick Vermeil will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend. He'll enter the hall as a member of the Philadelphia Eagles, but as Greg Eklund reports for KCUR, 17 years after he left Kansas City, Vermeil is fondly remembered for his final chapter in coaching. Before Dick Vermeil took the Kansas City job, he had already retired from head coaching twice. First in 1982 after seven seasons with the Eagles, but after leading them to the playoffs for the first time in 18 years and a Super Bowl appearance to boot, Vermeil said he was burnt out. When it becomes obsessive and you can't turn it off, it just it, you're not satisfying your own passion with the quality work that you think you should be doing. He spent the next 14 years in football broadcasting. His second retirement came in 1999 after three years and a Super Bowl championship with the St. Louis Rams. 
By 2001, Vermeil was back coaching. Just put that up last week. She found it in a goodwill. The deal that sent him to Kansas City happened here in the log cabin home outside Philadelphia that Vermeil shares with his wife, Carol. It's where legendary Chiefs president and general manager Carl Peterson finally wooed him back for five seasons. Vermeil remembers not even wanting to meet. I told them not to come and they came, and I'm sure glad they did. But Peterson and Vermeil had a long history, beginning in the 1970s at UCLA, and Peterson came anyway, cementing the deal. That move kicked off lasting connections between the Vermeils and Kansas City. Including one with Operation Breakthrough. Jennifer Heineman is director of stewardship at this haven for children living in poverty. She remembers the lead up to the Vermeils' first visit. It was electric. The, the Vermeils were coming. It was the most exciting thing that had happened here in I don't know how long. The kids they met then are now adults, but the Vermeils have stayed in contact. Chris Waxter, now 34, spent years as a kid at Operation Breakthrough. If it wasn't for them, I'd be dead or in jail. Plain and simple. Waxter remembers the day Carol Vermeil set him up with someone who taught him how to build a Chiefs-themed website. We built um, the roster, so I just, you know, I learned how to put, place pictures, learn how to put the color. The experience, Waxter says, flipped a switch. From that time on, I've been, like, intrigued, always around technology. Waxter still lives in Kansas City, and works as a computer specialist for a company that makes seats for cars and trucks. And the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, Dick Vermeil. At Arrowhead Stadium, Vermeil's best times as a coach were in 2003. The Chiefs had a Super Bowl caliber team and started the season 9-0. It was former linebacker Sean Barber's first year with the team. He was one of the most authentic leaders I've ever seen in the NFL. That season ended with a gut-wrenching playoff loss against Indianapolis. Barber says it hurt Vermeil as much as the players. He wore his emotions on his sleeve. He cared, and he didn't care um, about the persona or the perception of being a caring coach. Vermeil led the Chiefs through 2005. He never got them to the Super Bowl, but he did put together a string of high-scoring teams, led by Hall of Famers Tony Gonzalez and Will Shields. Back at their home outside Philadelphia, Vermeil's connection with Carl Peterson has stood the test of time, too. Vermeil selected him as presenter at this weekend's ceremony. Now in their mid-80s, Dick and Carol Vermeil have earned the comforts of their home, but they still have fond memories of their years in Kansas City. I think it's sort of an infectious place to live. You just fall in love with it a little bit more every day. I know I did, I know Carol did, and uh, I have friends that uh, they're, they're our lifetime friends now. When Vermeil puts on that iconic gold Hall of Fame jacket, his wife Carol and fans throughout Kansas City will be standing behind him. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Greg Eklund. Admirers of Japanese manga will be happy to hear that a Kansas City company is launching its own line of graphic novels. Dark Moon Comics is the brainchild of Brandon Calloway. He's drawn on a love of anime and manga to create Black Spartans, Michael, Detroit Red, and other characters. On KCUR's Up to Date, Danny Alexander recently talked with Calloway and another member of the Dark Moon team, R. Allen Brooks, who teaches writing for Regis University's MFA program. 
Here's Danny. What made you decide to take this creative leap? Oh, yeah. So I am a huge fan of anime, right? So I'm I'm a huge fan of, like, manga and One Piece and just the that Japanese style of animation. And uh, as you know, I am a doer. Yes. Right? And so me and my buddy were sitting around <laughs> talking about how great it would be if we had our, our own um, comic and just created our own fantasy world. And one of the things that always baffles me is in a fantasy world, you could create a world full of walking, talking lobsters. Anything you want. (laughs) Literally anything you want. But we don't often see a lot of worlds uh, that are predominantly black people or predominantly people of color. Uh, And so I wanted to create a world uh, in this medium that I loved that actually represented me and this large subsec- subsection of black people that also love anime. And so I just, I, I took, it took me about two years to figure out how to write the story. I actually started working on this before Gift. Mm. Uh, and then I wrote the first chapter of Black Spartans and uh, then the second and now the third. And it's, it's, it's rolling out. Yeah, now it is, it is rolling <laughs> and it is very fun. So Alan, what's your, what's your story? Uh, what got, what got you into this? Well, you know, so my father is a journalist. Uh, and when I was around five years old, he introduced me to the world of comic books, American comics first, mm-hmm. uh, because he wanted to encourage me to read more. Basically for all my childhood, I was only person that I knew who liked comic books. And I would just go to conventions once a year and sort of be like, the only kid and the only black person. There are two parts of Doc, Dark Moon Comics, the comics and graphic novels. Explain the difference, if you would. Okay. There is the the manga, so the uh, like the anime-style Japanese-type storytelling. So uh, anime is, is somewhat like Western traditional comics, uh, but it's more narrative-driven instead of having you know, 10 different characters with all of their own stories in this big interconnected world. Uh, anime is usually, you know, this one single narrative driven where chapter 1000 goes all the way back to chapter one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in, in Dark Moon Comics, there is a manga division and then there's a comics division. And so the the uh, we, we launch with obviously Black Spartans and then Reign of Chaos. And so all of those so are... So those graphic novels will tend to be longer... As compared to a comic? Right. The manga is technically the the comics, right? What Alan and I and some other people are doing when it comes to the traditional superheroes, instead of doing single issue, you know, uh, 20 pages of Superman and number one and number two and number three, uh, we are releasing those as full 60 page graphic novels. Okay. And so we have the comics that are the traditional anime uh, type stories, and then we have the graphic novels that are big one-shot superheroes. So, Alan, you write graphic novels, but you also do a comic for the Colorado Sun. Is the comic in the what I think of as the Western style? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more traditional, like uh, sort of a weekly, uh, as you mentioned, newspaper comic. Yeah, and we've gotten a couple of journalism awards for it, which I, I got to say, when I got it, I was surprised because I didn't know that I was a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it gets printed in the paper. Um, it's, <laughs> so, does each require its own approach, your graphic novels versus the comic? Yeah, so the weekly one is sort of like a one page. It, it deals with a lot of social issues and stuff like that. Uh, it's called What I Miss. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to write like that quick shot, you know, like right. a touch on the issue and conclude. Whereas with the graphic novel, it's more 
akin to a movie script because I'm writing a, a far-reaching, expansive story. Brandon, you said you saw a definite lack of black characters portrayed. Um, but when you did see one, did you think, oh, someone like me, could you relate to the occasional black character you might see? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anytime, I, So I think anytime we watch anything or read anything, uh, we are always trying to put ourselves in in that um, in in the spot of that main character, which is why when, when we you know when Black Panther came out, right, it was uh, it was a, a really huge thing in the black community, and now Black Panther Two is coming out, and so like that that I heard the trailer has yeah, people crying. It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen it, uh, you got to check it out. Uh, but that. Seeing seeing yourself being able to be represented in these fantasy worlds that are that traditionally have not done that is a a huge like emotional point of connection and so being able to you know launch Dark Moon Comics and facilitate those stories uh, and have amazing writers like Alan. Uh, who, who can who can uh, help bring compelling stories and uh, that are that are actually enjoyable and on par with mainstream is an absolute honor really to be able to do. Ellen, I want to ask you because you're the writer of the Skybreak series for Darkmoon. I saw that, but do you do your own illustrations or do you hand that off? Uh, so occasionally on this particular series, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. American comics typically have like a assembly line setup. So there's a writer, then there's someone who does pencils, then inks and colors. That's how they sort of keep up the grueling schedule. Yeah. And so at all of the stories at Dark Moon, we, we really have a whole, like there's a whole group of people working on stuff. So with Black Spartans, I, I am the, the writer, creator, built the world, create all the scripts. And then I send it over to Macchiato. Macchiato Studios is a, a small black-owned illustration company. They they bring it to life. So, do you have input on how you want your characters to look? Very, very, very. I much. was going to say. So you have to work with them initially, quite closely, till they get that character down. Yeah, it's a really intimate process. I write the script and then I'll send it over to to Macchiato. They'll do the storyboards and send it back to me for approval, and then they'll do the uh, the pencils and they'll send it back to me for approval. So, Alan, does that happen with you as well when you when you're working on one of yours? So, how long can it take? take for a creation to come to fruition? Yeah, that's a that's a hazardous question in the yeah. arena of comic books. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, oh sort of, it just sort of depends on like uh, what the schedule is of the artist that they're doing a part-time. I mean, if somebody sat and worked on a single page of a comic book from sort of uh, beginning to colors, it could take eight to 12 hours per page. Are these digital copies or are you also selling hard copies? Uh, so digital copies and physical copies, actually, the I have found that people pref- still prefer physical much more than, than, than digital. That's KCUR's Danny Alexander interviewing the creators of Dark Moon Comics. For more on this story, go to KCUR.org and look for Up to Date under Shows. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Peggy Lowe, filling in for Nominu Giadine. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Gabe Rosenberg and Lisa Rodriguez. To learn more about our other podcasts, go to kcur.org and click on Podcasts and Shows on the left-hand side of the page. And if you like Kansas City Today, please give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and have a good weekend. 
The lore around Dr. Annie Smith is a sensationalized tale of a haunted hospital with jars of fetuses, told to scare teens in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. But what's the truth behind her story? Oh, it's just this woman who was a physician who treated patients and, you know, saved some lives. <laughs> like, oh, it's somebody doing their job. The facts and fiction behind the legend of Doc Annie on the latest episode of the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. Subscribe.